Ruth. Appreciate you guys uh, playing for us. It's something they do for us almost every Christmas uh, time, and, and I really enjoy that. If you've got your Bible, uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Um, if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you know that we've been in a series that I've entitled The Promise of Christmas, and we've been looking at uh, different Christmas promises in Scripture. We've been looking at different uh, kind of passages of Scripture. Uh, we've gone in Genesis chapter 3, Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, last week I was gone. I was in South Carolina officiating a wedding for our very own Kevin Taylor. Uh, and, uh, and, and Shelton preached for us, did a great job, talked out of John chapter 17. And, uh, and I, my original intention this morning was to go to Philippians chapter 2. And, and the more I prayed through and the more... Uh, I just got down to it. I thought, I can't not preach out of the Christmas narrative. And so uh, I'm going to throw a little bit of that in a little bit later. But uh, it's just such an incredible story and an incredible setting. I love, uh, you guys know that I love Christmas and you know that I love this time of year. And especially on a Christmas Sunday morning, we've, we've got to just read uh, some incredible promises that were given uh, to Mary in, in the very first chapter of Luke. I like reading the book of Luke because Luke is, uh, he's interesting. He's an interesting read. If you went through our Knowing Faith classes this last semester, um, then we, we went through the Gospels and you learned a little bit about Luke and, and the man of Luke and who he was. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. He was kind of a, a logical guy. He put things together very logically. So as you read the book of Luke or if you read the book of Acts, um, it's, it's kind of a step-by-step. You can kind of see him kind of placing pieces of a puzzle together. Uh, Luke is the only Gentile writer of the entire Bible. He's the only one that was not a Jew. And so it's interesting to note his perspective on different things. And if you read uh, really even the opening verses of both Luke and Acts, I've got Luke's chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And that's a, there's argument whether that's a real person, that, that Theophilus translates lover of God. And so it could be just a general lover of God or if that was actually someone's name. So that you can know with the certainty of the things that you've been taught. He's, he's logically putting things together. He, he's, he's investigating. You could say that Luke was the very first church historian. I like to think of him as the very first investigative journalist, right? He's going around. He's interviewing people. He's getting eyewitness testimony. And he's writing an account of things that happened. Well, if you were to read, uh, keep reading in Luke, he begins to tell the story of a guy by the name of Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And you guys know this story. Uh, Zachariah was a priest, and uh, Elizabeth was his wife. And they were, the uh, Bible says, well along in years. That's a very polite way to say that they were old, right? They were well along in years uh, and were childless. And in that society, that's kind of a big deal because uh, not only do you not have someone to carry your property and your, uh, you know, your possession, but you also don't have someone to carry on your family name. And so it was, it was kind of a big, uh, big deal to have an heir 
And as this story unfolds, you guys are familiar with this. Zechariah gets to go in and he gets to burn incense in the temple. Now, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him. There's about 180,000 priests at this time, and they served in cycles. And for his name to be drawn, is he's never going to get to do this again. Possibly many of these men who served never got to do this ever and so Zechariah goes in to burn incense in the, in, the, in the temple. And an angel of the Lord appears to him and says, listen, you're going to have a son, right? And you're going to name him John. And in this moment, Zechariah uh, basically doubts, right? He says, you know, how can I be sure of this? I'm, I'm an old man and my wife, uh, you know, we were both well along in years. And the angel says or an incredible phrase. He says, I am Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God, right? Basically saying, who are you to argue with me, right? And, and because of his doubting nature, uh, Gabriel says, you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. And so he comes out and, and every, uh, every woman who's ever had a child wishes that would have happened to their husband as well, uh, that they weren't able to speak until the child is born. And, and, and obviously he communicates to Elizabeth, listen, this is what's happened uh, as best as he could. And, uh, and, and they are awaiting uh, the birth of their son. And six months later, Gabriel comes back. But this time he comes to a young girl and makes a promise that changes everything. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 should be on the screen. In the sixth month, this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. and The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child at her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. What I want to do this morning is I want to look at three promises that the angel gave to Mary. And I, I think they're just as powerful today as they were when he gave them. So the first one on the screen, very simply, the Lord is with you, right? The first thing the angel says to Mary, it's greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And, I, and as I read this, we may say, well, why did he say that, right? How many times have we envisioned God, uh, you know, 
opening the heavens and speaking into our situation, telling us exactly what we are supposed to do. Right? We, we, we sit around and we, we worry and we play these what-if games and we, we wonder, okay, well, I don't want to make the wrong move. I don't want to do what God's asking me maybe not to do. I don't know what to do next. And sometimes we just want God just to say, you know, thunder down from heaven, you know, you do this next. And I never envision an angel showing up saying, the Lord's with you. I want him to get to the point, right? Just tell me what to do. But as I prayed through this, I realized that phrase, the Lord is with you, is the point, right? There's nothing else that matters outside of the fact that the Lord is with you. There's nothing that we can't face. There's no decision that's too big. There's no obstacle that's insurmountable. The Lord is with you, brings everything back into perspective for us. All the stuff that, that has to happen gets put in the right position. It's in submission to the fact that God's presence is with us. So when our marriages are hard, the Lord is with you. When your kids are unruly, the Lord is with you. When you're struggling financially, when the cancer is back, when your job is in jeopardy, the Lord is with you. You see, that, that simple phrase doesn't take away anything. It just places it in the proper perspective. I came early this morning, Jess and the boys and I came early and we sat in the gym. We were just talking and we were talking about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And over and over in my head, I'm going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. When an angel appeared to Mary, she had to be scared to death. She had to be wondering. It says she wondered what kind of greeting this may be. She's, she's, she's in, in her inside is going through a thousand different what does this mean? How could this be? You know, what's next for me? The Lord is with you is all she needed in that moment. And I'd be willing to bet that no matter what happens in our lives, it's, it's probably what we need to be reminded as well. That's why the Bible says it so many times. Over and over and over, that promise is spoken to God's people. Judges chapter 6, verse 12, speaking to Gideon. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Genesis chapter 26, verse 24, speaking to Moses, or speaking to Isaac. I, the God of your father Abraham, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, speaking to Joshua. Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so they know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jeremiah 1.8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. In the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the earth. See, that promise that the angel gave Mary is just as relevant to us today as it was when he gave it to her. I am with you. No matter what this year has thrown at you, 
no matter what this next year brings, I am with you. God tells us over and over and over and over again because that's the whole point. Emmanuel, God with us. The second promise. We'll read it in context. Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 33. You can look at it. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He'll be, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. There's a lot of promises in those few verses. I wrapped all those into one phrase. He will be great. And I love it. You'll be with child, son of the most high, throne of David, reign, kingdom forever. All is encompasses in the phrase, he will be great. It's quite a promise. Remember I said I was going to preach out of Philippians chapter 2. And here's why. The promise of Jesus' greatness is in full display in Philippians chapter 2. I'm, I'm going to read it. It says this, Philippians 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of the man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But the promise that the angel gave Mary is that he'll be great. But what Paul writes to the church of Philippi is that he made himself nothing. They seem to be contradictory statements, but, but they're really the same. Verse 9 in Philippians chapter 2, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the promise of greatness of Jesus came through his willingness to become nothing. That's an incredible promise. The God of the universe stepped down into creation, making himself nothing and became everything. At his name, Everything, all of creation bows. At his name, all of creation declares that he is Lord. You want to talk about being great? His name is above every name. He is great. And listen, our circumstances don't lower his greatness. Our, our world and what's happening in our world doesn't take away from who and how great he is. Things get hard and don't go our way. Maybe they look differently than what we thought they would look like. And the first thing that we do is we question God. How could you? How could you let this happen? Why me? And we've been thinking, well, maybe he's not as great as I thought he was. He is great and worthy to be praised. Just, just because our lives don't look like what we thought they should does not diminish his greatness. We have this opportunity to come and, and to, to celebrate the greatness of God. 
We have an opportunity every week to gather corporately as a family, as a believer in body, and worship together the greatness of God. But, but don't miss the opportunity that you have personally every day to approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he hears us in our time of need. He is great. And as hard as life can be and as, as crazy as it can feel and as out of control as sometimes it becomes, he is still great. That promise he made Mary, he's great. If you don't hear anything today, hear he is great. The last one in our list, number three, nothing is impossible with God. That's, that's Luke one thirty seven. Some of you need to, to write that down. You need to put it where you're going to see it, where you can put it on your mirror in your bathroom or on the dash of your car. You need to write it down. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. This young Jewish girl who did not come from a predominant, well-known, influential family carries the Savior of the world in her womb. The Son of God who would come, be born into a world that hated him to redeem a people that didn't want anything to do with him. And through his death and his burial and his resurrection, he came and did the impossible for us. Because nothing is impossible for God. Every time the enemy tries to convince you that you can't or that God can't or that God won't, then we quote this simple verse, Luke 1, 37, nothing is impossible with God. In our wildest imaginations, we would have never chosen this time or this girl or this situation for the Savior of the world to be born into, but nothing is impossible with God. We, we talked about it in our own family uh, devotion over, over our Advent devotions that we, we did. It's, it's why would we choose this now? Why wouldn't we choose now? I mean, in, with the advent of, of, of global communication and, and instant uploads and all the things where we could get the message of Jesus, if he healed somebody, everybody in the world would see it. Why then? Why her? Why those circumstances? Because it was impossible. Everything was stacked against them. The Bible says in the fullness of time, which means basically when it was perfect, God sent his son to redeem the world. It, it seems like they had this incredible, insurmountable obstacle. How do we get the message of Jesus out? How do we let people know that this child came to save the whole world? But you know what the greatest part is? Is that God didn't need them to do it. He did it himself. Right? The shepherds came to them. Angels announced his birth. The wise men sought them out. God's message has been clearly seen in an insecure, know-nothing Woman, Savior of the world, came. The Lord is with you. He will be great. And nothing is impossible for God. 
These, I believe, are the promises of Christmas. We've looked at everything from Genesis, from the beginning, to Isaiah, kind of in the middle, and here at his own birth. He is with us. He is great. And nothing is impossible for him. So, as we begin to wrap this up, how does this communicate to us right now? Because, yes, we understand when marriages get hard and kids get unruly and finances get tough. We, we live in that. But when we're stuck spiritually, and we've been kind of in this rut, maybe you're reading your Bible, but you're not really getting a lot out of it. Maybe you're not reading your Bible and you should be, or maybe you've been not in church like you should be, but, man, it's Christmas. We need to go, we need to, go to church on Christmas morning. And, and we kind of get back into some reality moments. These three promises that God's with us, that he's, that he's not going to leave us, that he's not going to just uh, kind of just roll the dice and say, okay, whatever happens, happens. I'm out of it. God never does that. He is with us, that he is great, that in everything that we do in life, in every situation and everything that we face, he is still great, and it can be the hardest things that you've walked through. He is great, and nothing is impossible. I like those I like those impossible moments. I don't. Let me be real honest. I don't like those impossible moments where it seems really bleak and things look really bad. But I like it because I know that's where God works. We all want these mountaintop experiences. We love these mountaintop experiences with God because we get to experience him on another level. And it's just an incredible thing. But those valley experiences are where we see him the most. It's where we need him the most and where he continues to be with us the most. And I don't know what this year has held for you. I've walked a lot of it with you. I don't know what next year holds for you. We'll walk it together. But these three simple promises from an angel to a teenager hold so much value to us today. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to move into a special moment where we're going to have a candle lighting service. We're going to sing a song. I've asked someone to come up here and, and read just the birth narrative of, of, of Jesus, uh, of Luke chapter 2. But this morning, I don't want us to kind of rush through this. I don't want us to kind of blow through this section of service because this promises that we've been given are so life-defining for us. Maybe, maybe this morning, you just need to take a second. You just need to thank God for being with you. Maybe you just need to thank him for what you've maybe come through or how this year has gone or, or some of the hard things that you've worked through or maybe even still working through. Maybe you just need to be reminded that he's great and you need to tell him whatever's happening right now, you're still good. Maybe that impossibility thing that's in your, in your field of view that you know that's coming, you just need to be reminded of it. So let's just take a moment. Let's just pray together as a church. Um, And then we'll move into this next section. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for a morning that we can uh, collectively gather in your name. That we can sing songs that are familiar, that are carols that we've grown up singing maybe our whole life. 
But Father, the message of those songs are clear, that there's a Savior that's been born, the world is no longer the same, and that God has come to meet with us. And so Father, today as we looked and wrapped up this little short sermon series on the promise of of Christmas, God, I pray that these three promises would echo in our hearts for the next few days. God, that we would be reminded of how great you are, how you are always with us, and how you can accomplish all things. And so, Father, whatever's coming, whatever we've walked through, whatever we're currently in right now, God, we, we claim these three things over it because this is your word, and we're praying your word back to you. We trust you and we thank you for what you do and how you work and move in our life. And we know that above all things, God, you are in control. Father, thank you for doing the impossible, for sending your son to be born, to live a real life, to show us what it means to be be righteous and to be in right relationship with you. And Father, I pray that through his death and resurrection, God, we all can understand the gift of salvation that he came to bring. God, this morning is the beginning of what changed the whole world, and we're so thankful that we got to celebrate it together as a church. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if, Mark, if you can hit the lights for us, um, and then if you did not get a candle, there are some in the foyer, you're welcome to grab those, um, and then our guys are going to start lighting the ends of the aisles, and you guys can uh, just pass that light down, um, and then uh, I've asked Jerry West to come uh, and read the Christmas story, TJ's going to sing a song as we light our, our candles, and then when this song's over, Jerry, if you'll come and read the Christmas story for us. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon
Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was as close, was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in the Galilee. Sorry. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in, in Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he was longed to the, belonged to the house and the lineage of David. He went there to reg register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds, as what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, it was time to circumcise the child. He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Thanks, Jerry. We love you. Merry Christmas. Let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you and we thank you for today. Thanks for what this day means. And thanks for sending your son, a gift that we didn't deserve, and a world that hated him. God, redeem us. Let us never lose sight of what Christmas is really about. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed.